Hello, I'm Steph Wright, and I'm head of the Scottish AI Alliance. With me today are Lily Broomhead and Francella Riva Lopez, both students from the University of Edinburgh Business School. Lily and Francella, along with Che Hardy and Swapnil, are part of a group of five students studying for their masters in entrepreneurship and innovation that worked on a research project proposed by the Scottish AI Alliance, looking into businesses with high and low rates of adoption of AI and the relevant motivating factors and barriers. They presented their report in recent months, and we thought we'd get them on here to tell us a bit more about how they got on. Welcome, Lily and Francella. Hi. Hi, thanks so much for coming on today. Um, so let's kick off with the very basics. Can you please introduce yourselves and give us a bit of info about your background and what drew you to the project? Yeah, sounds great. Hi, Steph. Um, I can start off here. I'm Lily. I'm from uh, originally from the States, from Boston, and currently in this program for um, University of Edinburgh's Entrepreneurship and Innovation. Um, and out of really all the choices of our consultancy class that we had this past semester, this project stood out. Um, it was really a timely choice, especially with all the different types of emerging technology. And while I didn't have any previous experience in the field of artificial intelligence, I recognized this growing hype around the topic and shift uh, towards artificial intelligence and was excited by the opportunity to be able to learn more about it. Uh, also had the chance to see Jillian Dockery's TED Talk in Glasgow and found that completely fascinating and uh, was excited to be able to be part of this team to work on the project. Fantastic. And Francella, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, hi Steph. Um, well, my name is Francella Rivas. I am from Nicaragua uh, and I study uh, also the, the Masters in Entrepreneurship and Innovation. My background is and more related to uh, social entrepreneurship uh, back home. I used to work in NGOs and also I always been very aware about um, how my country needs to learn from other countries for its uh, economic development. So I feel like um, this project will basically wider my, my understanding about um, innovation because AI is not something that is really going on in my country. So I wanted to learn more about it uh, from the Scottish uh, perspective and yeah, through this project, basically. That's brilliant. Really interesting backgrounds, both of you. Thank you. Um, can you tell us a bit about how you approached the research and the challenges you faced in carrying it out? Yeah, um, so basically the project topic, as you mentioned before, was provided by the Scottish AI Alliance. Um, and, and the aim was to basically understand uh, the process, uh, motivations, barriers, and assets needed for AI adoption in businesses in Scotland. So to answer this uh, research question, um, so relied on secondary and primary data, including surveys of enterprises, interviews with AI experts and published reports. And um, for uh, secondary um, research, um, we basically uh, research in uh, larger businesses uh, for general context. But um, when it comes to the primary research, um, we basically um, try to um, reach um, four sectors uh, for AI adoption, including like um, high adoption and low rate adoption. So for the high rate adoption, we um, reach uh, telecom and finance and retail manufacturing for low AI adoption. And it was selected by our team based on their um, economy, economic um, importance, basically. So how, how much they contribute to the economy in Scotland. Um, 
In terms of challenges, basically, um, we wanted first to apply a questionnaire to um, as much as business as we could. And then so we contacted like 194 uh, businesses uh, through our own networks, uh, direct messages, um, LinkedIn, uh, emails. So we only got a response of 74, 70.5 um, rate, which is surprisingly low. <laughs> so um, this was the first challenge uh, related to the primary data. So that's that's one of the reasons why our research was uh, needed to be supported by secondary data from academic and governmental governmental reports. Um, so here we basically think that the, the main challenge was um, that as foreigners, we are all from different countries. None of us is from the UK. So we have a very, um, you know, it was the first experience that we, that we had to um, reach businesses uh, to learn about how things work here. So like for future research, we think that this challenge will be uh, overcome by, um, you know, actually having um, people with contacts with, with um, these businesses. And also we had a very limited time of uh, time frame as a, a student project. We have uh, less than 12 weeks to, to finish it. So that's basically the, the two challenges that we can um, summarize. And that's great. Thanks, Francella. Lily, anything to add to that? Yeah, I think uh, Francella hit on a lot of the, the different pieces there on how we um, worked through this this project. So to add on, when we were deciding the different sectors that we were going to research, um, uh, also looking at the GDP contribution, we uh, looked at a report from the Department of Digital Culture, Media and Sport um, that was provided actually recently in January. Um, that looked at uh, the data of AI activity in the UK businesses, and with that was able to determine that the high sectors of adoption were this uh, were the finance and telecom, and the lower ones were uh, retail and manufacturing, um, and that really helped drive um, our research. And while it definitely it doesn't generalize everything that we were able to find, was um, able to help us in the short period, be able to dissect different pieces to look at um, when, it, when it came to our research. That's great, thanks. Just out of curiosity, uh, you know, um, I mean, engagement rates on questionnaires can be very, you know, hit and miss. So I, I, I'm just curious now that you're kind of like thinking back on it, how would you have done it differently that might have elicited a better response? Yeah, I actually I've thought about this a, a few different times, especially as we're going through our dissertation right now. And once again, going back through trying to find contacts, um, as uh, Francella mentioned, we have very limited networks as we recently just moved here um, to Scotland. And I think probably while the decision making of picking these sectors made sense from an overall part of seeing which were high adopters and low adopters. At the end of the day, we were targeting really hard to get into types of business sectors, such as telecom and manufacturing, where really if you, you are unconnected, uh, we recognize that you are going to get limited response rates. I think uh, to redo it again, maybe it would have made sense to like actually stick to more of a um, 
different types of businesses that maybe were on a smaller scale, but we were able to get a better contacts with, um, be able to leverage different networks within that Edinburgh entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, that's something that that would have probably been better. And then um, trying to maybe connect, uh, get the survey out to a wider audience, maybe not through directly contacting them, but sharing it on different uh, websites or uh, bigger venues where people can see that uh, that link and hopefully be able to help participate and, and join in on the research. That's great. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it is, you know, trying to engage people, especially when it's a cold engagement, you know, just coming out of nowhere and emailing an info address uh, is usually quite challenging. But, uh, but you know, it's all part of the learning process and the research process, obviously. So, uh, so back to the report, um, could you two please summarize your key findings for me? Yeah, I can definitely summarize our, our key findings. So one of the big things was that we definitely started off by looking at secondary research and found that McKinsey expects by 2040 that the UK will reach 1.3 million businesses using artificial intelligence. Right now, 68% of large businesses, 34% of medium-sized, and 15% of small have implemented at least one technology of artificial intelligence, um, with small uh, businesses making up the majority of the, the landscape. And much of the use cases where this comes from is using it for customer care, security, fraud detection, quality control, inventory management. Um, and the technology used around this has been um, mostly around machine learning, um, imagery recognition, deep learning, chatbots, and virtual assistants. So I think a, a lot of this is, well, artificial intelligence sometimes uh, can seem like it isn't implemented in our day-to-day. -day. It is being used in different various ways. And uh, so for our own research, we then decided to break this our research questions up into three objectives, which helped uh, determine our key findings, which then ultimately influenced our, our recommendations in the end. But our uh, our three different object objectives, our first one was to identify processes that businesses and sectors with the highest rate of adoption follow to successfully implement AI. And we saw that through two different lenses. Uh, the first was a technological uh, lens, and that was um, where we found that agile sprints, internal pilots, um, working with subject matter at, at sub subject matter expertise uh, helped quickly scale and iterate the process of AI adoption in these telecom and finance sectors. And then the other part, which definitely found very interesting, was around the organizational process. And that's, we found two different ways that organizations actually implemented AI. And that was through either a top-down focus. So that was with your C-suite, senior leadership executives being able to really roll out the strategy um, recognize that sometimes there is that fear when it comes to employees thinking that perhaps this technology is going to be taking over their type of job. But from that, they want to be able to create a strong cultural engagement, uh, be able to really uh, create that strong uh, or that approach that it's going to be more of a technology that's going to assist you at the end of the day and help um, with your job. And then with that, though, there can be that caveat of challenges that the C-suite maybe gets a little bit too focused on the strategy piece and not the technological parts that are needed to implement that. So on the other end, there is this bottom-up approach, and that's by bringing in strong data scientists, um, people who really understand the core pieces of this emerging technology and helping to roll that out throughout the, throughout the business. Um, 
but once again, another caveat, they may them have this technological lens and not understand how to reach uh, people to actually use that. So they'll actually need the support of the C-suite and leadership to be able to roll that out. So at the end of the day, really a hybrid approach will have that success in the adoption um, process. And then from there, we also, our next uh, uh, objective was to look at uh, companies with low adoption uh, rates. So and the ones that were able to successfully uh, implement AI at the end of the day. So what we did find, though, and I, I'm sure you've probably come across this yourself too, Steph, is that um, these businesses with low uptake do run into significantly more challenges. And what we noticed was actually more of a from a cultural perspective, there is this typical lack of perhaps curiosity, uh, rejective change, um, feeling more risk averse in the end, uh, which leads these uh, businesses to not look to uh, implement this new technology. Um, so when they were successful, though, what we found was that they were either using different support schemes or external partnerships, and that helps them be able to implement this uh, technology. And then also having a strong data infrastructure was crucial, um, especially as you collect a lot of different information and data um, as well. So those were a little bit of uh, those two pieces around processes. And then our third objective was to really understand the motivating factors and barriers uh, that came uh, in at the end to, to help implement AI. And what we found was that productivity improvement and cost reduction were the common benefits that these businesses saw that helped motivate their implementation. Uh, typical barriers were talent deficit, uh, data infrastructure and funding. So at the end of the day, what will complement this in the terms of assets needed would be having skilled labor, funding and tech infra infrastructure. Um, and that will be really key to be able to have this uptake and remove any challenges that they are facing. That's great. No, thank you very much. Um, so, you know, Obviously, uh, the the key findings, you know, related to what we were talking earlier about the low rate of response, the key findings, of course, come with a caveat, you know, that your sample size was relatively small. Um, so extracting findings from a small data set, you know, <laughs> is quite difficult. So it'd be great if you guys could talk a bit about how you arrived at your findings. Yes, and I completely agree. It was definitely hard when we were looking at basically four interviews and a, a, I think around 7.5% uh, survey responses. And it's def definitely a challenge to be able to glean uh, different insights from that. But what we did do was try to find key themes throughout the what we did have and then pair that with our secondary research um, to be able to back up what we were finding from uh, those different responses and interviews. So it is also important to note that this is definitely more of an exploratory research project. Um, the intention was to really be able to, at a high level surface, find these generalized findings um, as a starting point to gain insights and really validate probably the work that you and your team have already been able to discover and find. So definitely a starting point uh, for the AI Alliance, but want to make sure that it was really helpful information that would assist you in your second phase as you approach your, your strategy as well. Uh, yeah, no, that that that's brilliant. You know, I mean, at least nicely into kind of my next question. You know, 
around, you know, challenges around talent pipeline, upskilling of current workforce, inertia and established company culture, uh, what you were touching on, resistance to change, risk aversion, uh, you know, they're all kind of well-recognized barriers, to be fair. So there's an element of, you know, validation of the current thinking already from your research, which is great. Um, but it's it's obviously not specific to AI either. It's around, you know, technology adoption as a whole. And there are many kind of initiatives at local national level trying to tackle that. But from your perspectives, obviously, having only just been immersed in the AI world very shortly, uh, but obviously having a broader kind of perspective in, on it all, what do, you, what do you think that could be done that isn't already being done? I think this is really interesting because quite often we get these kind of perspectives from people so embedded in it already. Um, so it'd be nice to have a bit of a, you know, outsider point of view, you know, you having looked from the outside into this you know, and and obviously finding pretty much the same problems that people already recognize. But it'd be interesting to hear from the two of you uh, or, you know, whether it's just personally or whether as a group you guys came to any conclusions on, you know, what do you think is missing? What do you think we could do that perhaps isn't already being done? But once again, with a caveat, I recognize that you guys might not real and you know uh, you might not know of everything being done too so so don't worry about it but uh but it'd be great to hear hear your thoughts on that yeah so basically as a group uh we um as you said as external um people from the ai system um we provided several recommendations in our report um to tackle the the barriers uh, for ai adoption in businesses so for example um in the report we talk about the possibility to contribute uh, to building skills for external workforce uh, through diversified courses in higher education. Um, basically, collaboration for joint uh, courses or internships opportunities or AI education programs that like not, not uh, for example, graduate or undergraduate, but primary and secondary levels to increase that um, skill building since er earlier stages. Um, we provide also uh, recommendations about um, possibility of reskilling the internal workforce, like uh, with affordable formal tra trainings for managers or quality informal trainings for businesses, like recognizing that uh, AI is basically as something that is that innovating the business models and probably the, the workforce that you already have is not uh, already trained for what is needed. So basically, that's one of the things we uh, recommend. And in terms of cultural and behavioral barriers, which um, something that um personally it was one of the main takeaways from from this research is to learn you know how culture also influences um the adoption of, of, of technologies such as ai so um we we talk about like the the possibility of creating awareness raising campaigns not only to um educate people, but also to showcase, like, for example, what, what could be done with AI. So sometimes people, um, probably aversion to AI might come from, uh, probably they don't understand how, how actually this could be related to your business. So like by showing them with real examples of what other businesses have achieved, that probably could be um, an opportunity for them to learn and to understand uh, the importance of it. And also, um, we think it's important to increase the engagement with the business community, especially with non-AI adopters, because uh, um, they are basically like 
they have the potential to, to adopt, of course. Um, so basically, in, in summary, that's what we we believe that could be could be done. Surely, if you would like to add, yeah, and I think I touched on this a little bit before, but with both those pieces, I think especially uh, in Scotland and uh, different uh, hubs and cities, there are these great communities where there are immense um, different startups and businesses and that support around it. So really these great uh, ecosystems where uh, different businesses can come together and really learn from each other. And I think being able to really hone in on that and provide that support where different business leaders um, who perhaps are having the success of adopting AI can be able to learn from others um, and share that knowledge and really create this, this group of uh, opportunity for people to see the benefits that come from uh, adopting artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence, but also understand that the challenges they're facing, they're not alone and uh, be able to tackle that together. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. And you guys will be delighted to know, I hope that everything you've just suggested is currently being done, you know, like Education Scotland, you know, are, are trying around data and AI uh, to kind of, you know, kind of embed it earlier on in the education pathway. And, uh, you know, as part of the Scottish AI Alliance's mission, we're trying to ensure that, you know, AI isn't just the domain of a postgraduate, you know, uh, kind of uh, education pathway. So so that and um, Skills Development Scotland are also doing quite a lot of work on that. Um, the Data Driven Innovation Programme based in the Southeast region of Scotland, also a massive programme around upskilling and reskilling of the current workforce as well. Um, yeah, I mean, and the other thing we're we're doing, maybe not specifically to businesses, is that we are currently developing a demystifying AI MOOC. Um, because I, I I'm not sure if you came across it in the research and stuff, but there's a kind of general feeling of perhaps not fear, but also kind of just misunderstanding of AI, what it can and can't do. Uh, there is definitely an element of fear, you know, public attitude survey trackers and stuff have all, you know, established that. So we're trying to just get out there and say, look, you know, here are some myths about AI, they're true or they're not true. This is what it can do, what it can't do, and this is how it might impact you. So so on a very basic level, we're doing that at the moment. We're working on this MOOC, which we hope to launch later this year. Um, but our sister organization, the Data Lab, um, are also working on um, a, 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 a MOOC, a, well, a, a, a professional development offering uh, kind of targeted at businesses around how you can drive value from AI, just like they've done it around in data. Um, because really AI is the next step from data. People can't just jump straight into AI. And I, I, and I assume you, you probably came across some of that, you know, like some people might view AI as a magic bullet, but if you don't have the data, it can't do nothing. <laughs> You know, kind of thing. So, uh, so there are many steps to it as well. So, uh, so um, yeah. So, so I mean, it, it, it's good to. Well, I hope I hope that makes uh, that that assures you as well from your research that there are stuff trying to go on here. But it really is that visibility as well. I think that I like the idea that you should bring together more businesses that have used AI or deployed AI, implemented AI to improve their business, and you know can communicate with those who are reluctant maybe or resistant to it to kind of see the potential benefit of that and i i think that kind of just kind of community re knowledge sharing is is quite a nice suggestion so uh so thanks very much for that um 
Okay, okay. Well, you know, um, what have you learned from this project and what's next for you two uh, specifically? Obviously, don't expect you to speak on behalf of your other teammates, but uh, but yeah, so uh, what, what have you learned and what's next? And is AI a career for you? <laughs> yeah, great question. Yeah. I'd say, especially when starting off on this project, knew very little about AI. If I'm being honest, when I think thought about artificial intelligence, it was definitely that futuristic mindset where it's only your uh, different types of automatic uh, cars or even just robots. That's that's where my brain was. And I think walking away from this, uh, what was really great to understand is that artificial intelligence is in our lives. Um, more than we think. It's very prominent in the day-to-day and in different little things that you didn't even realize was artificial intelligence. And I think uh, realizing that there are so many great benefits that can come from it, um, even if it is in these small, different little ways. And um, while there may be that apprehension around artificial intelligence, I think looking into the future, it's going to really grow in that adoption and uh, has a lot of different exciting opportunities. Um, As for myself in the future, I definitely have loved my time here in Edinburgh in the UK. And uh, while my my mom will definitely be sad that I'm not coming home, I have decided that I I definitely love to stay here. And uh, currently in the, the middle of a job seeking process to be able to to achieve that. Um, I think what has really been a great opportunity from this whole program and experience in working in this uh, different consultancy project has been that focus around new technology and being able to learn about different innovative processes and ability to create this transformation process when it comes to businesses. So definitely looking to be able to uh, still have that different part of that work um, in the next job opportunity. That's brilliant. And over to you, Francella. I mean, especially, you know, uh, from your perspective of like different, very different, you know, uh, country cultures in terms of, uh, you know, approach to technology, innovation and stuff. I'd love to hear what your key find, what your key takeaways from this project were and what's next. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when I decided, when I applied for for this project, uh, you know, um, I was a little bit like um, unsure that probably my knowledge, like my previous knowledge, will be enough to tackle this this problem uh, in the research. And then I just learned that um, you don't really have to be an AI specialist to talk the language, to speak the language, because you can speak. AI uh, language from a business perspective and that's what businesses people need because they might be like me unsure that they cannot really integrate AI in their businesses because they don't have the background but obviously there are ways that you can apply AI and then as a business person you need to understand it so I feel like the main thing that that I learned is that now I can speak in obviously from a business perspective about AI when I go back home um, like as I said, my my background and my my main um, professional uh, development has been related to social entrepreneurship. And then at home, I I've been focusing on helping young entrepreneurs to develop their business ideas. And one of the main problems they have had is like innovation. Um, we don't really understand innovation from a technology perspective in Nicaragua. Basically, like now learning about how these sort of technologies can be applied to business might probably help me to give ideas to these young people how they can be more innovative, like more incremental or radical 
innovations for Nicaragua. That's something that could really be done. Um, yeah, I'm going back home in January. I'm excited to see my family, to eat the food. Um, yeah, just to to remember what's being like to be to be in Latin America again. And yeah, working uh, with um, social entrepreneurship. Um, um, that's what I'm looking, uh, what I'm expecting to do back home. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Well, thank you so much, both of you. Um, I think uh, it was a really interesting chat and, and I hope you found the project really interesting. I think it was just one of those opportunities that was presented to us uh, and we thought, ah, oh, brilliant. Let's let's get the students to have a look to see, you know, uh, I mean, you know, either have some new findings or validate our current thinking around this. So uh, so it, it's been really useful. Um, I encourage all our listeners to go on our website, read the blog about it that was written by the team and uh, also to read the report itself. Um, but uh, just to close off, thank you so much for joining me today. And I wish you both the very best in your future endeavors. Uh, delighted you're staying in Scotland, Lily, and we're sorry to, le uh, to lose you, Francella. Um, and, uh, but the allure of food and family is what trumps everything else, I believe. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you so much both. And I hope uh, you found the project interesting and, uh, and yeah, and we wish you the very best for your future. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us here. It's been a pleasure.